In my book, I use the word victim a lot. People hate the word victim, but basically the simple definition is it's allowing the outside world to dictate your thinking, dictate your results. And this whole outside-in approach to life, this hopium way of doing things, and it's freaking exhausting, Adam, to you know, spend all your time manipulating the outside world while you seriously, fiercely insist on remaining the same. And, it, you know, it's, and it's like rearranging the furniture on the deck of the Titanic. Like, doesn't matter, that damn boat's going down. And so that's what I had to change. And the whole outside, it just, it just didn't work. The change had to come from me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Flow Over Fear podcast, where it is our mission to help you to rise above fear and realize your ultimate potential in leadership and life. I'm your host, Adam Hill, and it is my goal to share with you the human side of high performance. My guests share their experience with fear, anxiety, struggle, challenge, and most importantly, despite all of it, how they rose above it to achieve incredible results. So if you're ready to rise up, let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Flow Over Fear. Thanks for being here. I am really excited to share my guest, uh, some time with my guest today uh, because if you find yourself in the grips of fear around finances or change or generally just you know life circumstances that, that, that affect us, then this episode is for you. Because my guest today, Chris Felton, has not only been in the financial service industry for decades, He's also lived those challenges, and we're going to dig into some of those today, because at one time, Chris found himself hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt on the brink of divorce, facing impossible challenges, at which point he made a decision. He never wanted to be in that position again. Fast forward to today, Chris is a best-selling author and a seven-figure entrepreneur who founded his, his, his firm uh, in 1999, a financial services firm, which helps, and he helps tens of thousands of people internationally to overcome their resistance to change and create more success, peace, and impact in their lives. Uh, and sharing from his own experiences, he helps people to overcome their own challenges. And he's going to share some time with us today. His latest book and speaking series, Think and Grow You, is focused on helping driven entrepreneurs break through plateaus in their growth by learning how to get out of their own way and take their success, peace, and impact to the next level. Thanks for joining me, Chris. I'm glad you're here, man. Adam, awesome to be here, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I think that 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 big you know, uh, that big shudder that we all feel when we hear about finance or, or money or things like that. I know that that could cause a ripple effect with, with fear. Um, why, why do we have so much fear around money and finance in our lives? Um, I mean, it, it just, it comes back to, you know, we get programmed when we're little kids, right? And from zero to four, we're basically defenseless. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, ha we have no capacity to accept or reject any ideas. And so um, and, and this is a, a quote from uh, uh, if you ever heard of Margaret Lynch, she wrote a book called Tapping into Wealth. Unbelievable. Mm. And she said the uh, the biggest determining factor of your financial success is the vows that you made to gain acceptance into your family at a very young age. Mm. Powerful. Yeah. So. I bought my parents BS around money, which was rich people are bad. They're crooks. 
they make money on the backs of poor people. Um, my mom believed that you either had money or you didn't, like you didn't have a choice. And so by the time we're four, Adam, we're 50% programmed on, on everything. Mm-hmm. But we're just talking about money right now. By the time we're 10, we're about 75% programmed. By the time we're 18, we are 95% hardwired programmed. Wow. And and so programming mean, means we don't even think about it. So, but, you know, studies of, of wealthy people show that that's the way it was for probably the majority of people. Um, plus, as we're growing up, we get programmed by society that wealth is bad. Mm-hmm. So I'm dating myself a little bit, but Gilligan's Island. Oh, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> right? Thur- Thurston Howell and his wife were like these, I mean, they were like epitome rich people. Like yeah. they were totally aloof. They were like, they didn't, even, they didn't even think anything happened. Right? And they're just off being wealthy and being stuck up and all that. Um, in the movie Spider-Man, the Green Goblin is a billionaire. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, you know, the movie The Titanic. Like wealthy people are up, you know, they're all dressed up. They hate each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then all the broke people are down below partying on tables. So, so anyway, we get messages that it's not okay. Yeah. And we are afraid we're going to turn into those people on the Titanic. And so, but, but what studies show is at some point, the wealthy and I mean wealth in all areas of their life, but we're talking finances, they question that. And they question the validity of it. And I'm 51 now, but it was 37 when I finally woke up to the fact that I'm a CPA, I'm a financial advisor, and I am a broke dude. Why? Mm-hmm. Because I never checked it, brother. I started checking it at 37. Yeah, well, that, that doing the math there, and I'm not a math whiz, so I may be wrong, but that sounds like right around the financial crisis that that Amen, happened in brother. 2008. Yeah. <laughs> so can can you kind of walk us through that? Because I'd love to. I think a lot of people will be able to relate to this story, being in debt, you know, being challenged, and 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 I, I think it's an important one to walk through because you you had that crucible there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I uh, so so I left uh, my my corporate CPA gig uh, in in two thousand. I started my uh, my financial services entrepreneur business. I was kind of doing it part time there, and then um, you know, and, and once again, I have bad money beliefs, but I got a great work ethic, and and I really wanted to be successful. And then my marriage uh, to my first wife just, I mean, it failed for lots of reasons. And I disclose all those reasons in the book. (laughs) This guy was the reason. But um, and and then my kids were little, they were small and they moved and they ended up in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm in Colorado. And then my second and last wife, Marlo, steps into uh, kind of a crap show. She didn't know it because I I could talk about success. I talked a big game. I had like trophies, mm-hmm. um, but she didn't know that I financed my divorce. I laid down in my divorce because I felt so guilty. And I signed a stupid office lease, 6,000 square feet. No idea how I pulled that off. And then I'm paying my ex-wife $5,200 a month in alimony and child support. And I'm a financial services entrepreneur entering the Great Recession. And Thank God I paid attention to some of my intuition and I, I gave the reins of our financial house over to my wife, single best financial decision I ever made. Mm. 
and and she's trying to just she's like saying, what what's it's just not adding up like how can you be such a dumbass and be so smart right <laughs> like she's going through it and then it hit the fan we call it the purse throwing incident and it was i had to pay my ex-wife $5200 the next day on the 1st i'm an entrepreneur i don't have any money and I don't know how I'm going to do it. So I'm out of options, Adam. Mm -hmm. So I come home. We're now in a rented house because we couldn't afford the other one. And there's my wife in the kitchen. And I'm like, the only way I can pay my ex-wife is I know Marlo's got a stash of cash Mm -hmm. because she's smart enough to not co-mingle some money with a broke guy. (laughs) Right. Right. And I'm like, and she had that money allocated for a suit, a brand new suit. It's her money. She's got great money beliefs. She's all dialed in. And I'm like, I got to get that money because I got to pay my ex-wife. And so I came home and that was, that was the sales job Adam I needed to complete. So you had to convince your new wife that you had to pay, <laughs> take her money to pay your old wife alimony. Yeah. 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 $5,200. That's a big sale. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a big sale. And I'm like, well, she told me she loved me. And come on, honey, we're a team. And you've told me I'm your soulmate and you'd do anything for me. And, and I, and I, fl- I turned my head for a second, dude. And her purse goes flying over my head. Oh, wow. And there's like 20 pounds of stuff. And it like hits the ground, stuff goes over everywhere. I, there was some stuff from the 80s in there. I think I saw a Madonna, a Madonna CD fly, fly over her purse. And, you know, she's five foot one, dude. And yeah. she is volcanic. Marlo is everyone in my office is scared of her. Yeah. And, dude, she just unloads. And then I'm like, well, it's so bad. Why are you still here? Mm-hmm. Like, why are we even married? And, total silence and she goes upstairs and and there I am and I'm just sitting there going oh my god man and all I could see Adam was just dominoes I could just I'm like oh my god and it was a it was turning point in my life because I was like my ex-wife never had a chance the king of self-sabotage here was going to blow that up (laughs) my kids are small they're on the other side of the country and where's dad is beginning to turn into who's dad (laughs) um I'm drinking too much. The the financial pressure is like literally causing my wife physical pain. And then I just realized I'm like, dude, what's the common theme here? Me. Mm-hmm. And, and I just said, I got to freaking change. I got to quit living in hopium. Right. Yeah. <laughs> hoping, ho- hoping that everything's going to change on the outside while I fiercely insist on remaining the same. And I'm like, I, I got to freaking change. Mm-hmm. And I took 100% responsibility. And then, the next day we came together and, and uh, this is part of my keynote. I try not to lose it every time, but like, dude, in my wife's moment of intense pain, she focused on my good qualities. Wow. And um, wow. she, uh, it's so it would have been so easy for her to focus on the bad stuff and leaving. And my pattern of relationships was Okay. There's all those faults. Let me pick up and move. All right. Cause there's some unicorn relationship out there that I don't have to work at. Mm-hmm. And she focused on the good things. 
And we got back together the next day and she's like, we're staying married. We're not declaring bankruptcy. We're not getting jobs. We're going to figure this out. And she's like, I'm going to get on planes, trains, and automobiles. Because one of the great things we had is we had access to wealthy mentors. She's like, I'm going to, I'm going to interview them. I'm going to figure out what they do. I'm going to figure out how they think, which our first book, Couples Money, came from, mm-hmm. from that. And then she's like, what, what are you going to do, dumbass? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to figure out how this mentality keeps creating broke. And I just said, I'm all in. And yeah. I'm not interested in changing. I'm committed to changing. Mm. And a, an Olympic athlete's committed to success. Everyone else is interested. And when you're just interested, Adam, you know, you'll, you'll hit a brick wall and you'll stop. You'll use your past. You'll use oh, your, yeah. your excuses and your BS to stop. And I'm, I'm going to figure it out. I'm like, I'm all in. I'm all in, honey. And so mm-hmm. I'm an early riser. It was four. I'm not saying people need to do this, but I was totally, I was up at four, four thirty five a.m. I was visualizing, journaling, pulling out every belief, every story, shifting it, meditating, praying. If you would have told me to stand on my head for an hour, I would have done it. And, um, and as Mel Robbins says, it didn't happen overnight, but it eventually happened over time. And then we just, we had a jaw-dropping transformation, but it wasn't just financially. Mm-hmm. My life changed spiritually. I'm 51. I got better energy at 51 than I did at 41, probably even 31. Um, just everything transformed, dude, and it was uh, it was it was it was unbelievable. That's a that's incredible. There's a lot to unpack there, and 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 I, I think one of the first things is that yeah, you'd mentioned not interested and committed. I I mean, I wholeheartedly. I can't say how much I agree with that and the power of mentors and all that because really that interested part, and most of us are just interested in coming from the sobriety background of, you know, quitting alcohol. Um, you know, that is like, you know, you get in those bad moments. And similarly speaking, you know, from a finance perspective, when the heat is on, yeah, it's like, oh man, I got to do something to change this. But the second it changes and it gets comfortable again, if you're just interested, that's where it stops. But you have to go keep going, even when it gets hard, even get it. And, and yeah, so that's super important. And the power of mentors. Um, I love that, you know, your wife was so committed to this first and she kind of drove that change and you started to take unlimited responsibility for that. What did that look like as far as taking hundred percent responsibility? Um, I mean, I, I just, it was no longer, you know, playing the, the blame game. And uh, in my book, I use the word victim a lot. People hate the word victim, but basically the simple definition is it's allowing the outside world to dictate your thinking, dictate your results. Yeah. Yeah. And this whole outside in approach to life, this hopium way of doing things. And it's freaking exhausting, Adam, to, you know, spend all your time manipulating the outside world while you seriously, fiercely insist on remaining the same. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it's, and it's like rearranging the furniture on the deck of the Titanic. Yeah. Like, doesn't matter. That damn boat's going down. And, and so, you know, that's, that's what I had to change. And the whole outside, it just, it just didn't work. The change had to come from me and my coach I worked with for four and a half years. Every time I kind of fight back against him or my ego, or I, I had this need to be right. He would just say, Hey, based on results, how's your way working? Yeah. Hated that. Right. Based right. on results, how, how's your way working? Because based on results, how's victim working for you, bud? Yeah. And he would always connect the prices I was paying. He's like, so you, you, you keep doing what you're doing, 
But you're staring at alimony payment number two. Um, your kids aren't going to know you and you're just going to be a drunk probably. Yeah. So if that's what you want. Keep doing it your way. And mm-hmm. he would always snap me out of my egoic need to be right and self-righteous. And, you know, I just had this need to, I, I got it. I got to handle D- dudes are like that. Right. I, I got it. Yeah. I got it. No, you don't. Don't ask. Right. You don't have it. Look yeah. at your results. I hated that. My, my, my agents, I coach, I'm like, based on results, how's, how's it working, man? Right. Like, right. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Yeah, you, Dude, you, I'm, you, just, I'm just a mirror, bro. I'm just a mirror. Like, absolutely. And you and you got to look for that in a coach, by the way. If you're looking for a coach that's going to be, you know, that, that's just going to be re- reinforcing everything and making you feel good, you got the wrong coach. You got to find someone who's willing to challenge you like that because that's where change is going to happen. And I, I, I can't agree with you more with regard to the victim mentality. Yeah, it's, you know, there there's things that are going to happen to us that are going to victimize us, but it is our choice to stay there. And uh, and you made that choice to switch. Um, and I love that you tied victim mentality, that hopium too. I, I like that. I like that. Uh, I like that, uh, that comparison. Um, it, so what were the, some of the first steps you took? Cause I know a lot of people that may be feeling like, well, yeah, I'm financially, I I'm feeling the same way I'm in debt. I I'm looking, you know, month to month now, how do I, how do, what are the first steps I take to break out of that? What were some of the first steps you took? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, and, and these are just different chapters in the book, and and, and yeah. my book is packed full of, you know, exercises. It's it's not just me lecturing. It's it's it, here's here's some stuff that um, that you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the first thing is, you know, my coach framed this for me. He said, "Chris, you no longer have a problem; you have a project," mm-hmm. and that was transformative, man, because when we view things as problems, problems stay in our lives for years and problems, we kind of bring victim to the party. Yeah. Problems. We feel like we're, we're powerless. We can't do anything about it. And victims always about giving your power to out outside, outside of yourself, but projects, man, it's different. Like projects, like we will more often than not see it through completion. We'll bring a different energy to the party when we face roadblocks like you know my book was 15 month process adam like that was a freaking project yeah and and but i had so much enthusiasm and juice for the, for it and i learned so much but i knew i was going to see it through and and so so that's the first thing and that kind of you know also gave me grace right i i think you know i talk about not beating ourselves up and and i was spending a lot of time beating myself up and 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 I had to forgive myself. And there's a whole chapter on forgiveness, but I had to forgive myself. But the project versus problem was really big. Yeah. And then the first thing he did, Adam, was he said, okay, get a journal, get a green money journal, still have it, and and write the word money at the top of the page and then write down everything you make up about that word. <laughs> and I listed in the book. And it was, you know, like I said, uh, rich people are they're horrible. They make money in the backs of poor people. I, all this stuff, dude. I had like 20 money won't make you happy. Can't take it with you. Yeah, either or. You can have money or a great family. You can't have both. And and it was obvious. I'm like, I met the enemy finally. Mm-hmm. And it is I. And and so I – but the cool part is I'm like, that's my story. Now I can start telling a different story. So I rewrote a different story, affirmed a different story. 
uh, lots of different things that I did. But the first part was I had to start installing different beliefs. And then um, and then Marlo and I got together. And whether you're single or married, we set we set a unifying couples goal. Yeah. Okay. And and it was the first time we ever did it. And we were, you know, once again, two hundred fifty thousand dollars in debt. And I'm like, honey, what would make you feel good? And she's like, a hundred thousand in the bank saved. And after I gulped and <laughs> stared up at Mount Everest, I was like, crap. And then we spent an hour on why that was important. Mm-hmm. Like, why? She's like, because I hate the stress. Um, she's like, you need to see your kids. Um, mm-hmm. We need to quit fighting. And then, and then we just focused on base camp one. I was like, all right, let's get the first 10 grand saved because we can do that versus trying to scale the whole mountain. So I, I give you a lot there, but, but we just took some small steps and small steps and small steps and small steps and small steps. And then we created momentum. And then, you know, the snowball was pushed down the hill and pretty so, miraculous things came from that. Yeah. So chunking it down into smaller steps. So putting Mount oh. Everest into different base camps. I like that analogy. Um, yeah, huge for sure. Yeah. Hey, everyone, I hope you're enjoying this episode. If you've been listening for a while, you know how important community and mentorship is to living a life of abundance above your fears. If you want to connect with me, hear about new offerings, episodes, and strategies to live with conviction, courage, and clarity, then sign up for my newsletter now. It's a way to stay connected to me outside of social media and bring a little empowerment to your inbox and maybe a few dad jokes here and there. Sign up now at adamcliffordhill.com. Now back to the show. So as as you were kind of taking these steps towards that first 10,000, I mean, you had debt to pay off. Did you have to, was that part mm. of the plan as well? Or uh, Great question. Yeah. 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 So p- part of our process of interviewing our wealthy mentors for our book, uh, one of our favorite couples, they're like, you need to quit fixing your debt. You need to create wealth. Mm. That changed my life. And there's probably... 99% of financial advisors listen to what I'm saying. They're going to say, don't do it. Chris is telling mm-hmm. you to do. But I watched my mom do it her whole life, dude. She was like, once I pay off my debt, then I'll save. Once I get this handled then. And she passed away at 64, worked her whole life and saved a grand total of 10 grand. <laughs> and th- the most preeminent law in personal development is the law of growth. Yeah. And what we focus on expands. So for me, focusing on my debt created more debt. Mm. And and the feeling, and Joe Dispenza calls it a negative feedback loop, right? You're just, you're looking at your stuff. It makes you feel horrible. You're giving more attention to your stuff. It just, and it just keeps growing. And for whatever reason, those mentors are like, okay, your debt's there. Get it handled. Don't be an ostrich to it. But if you guys can't save money, the seeds of greatness aren't in you. If you can't save money, you'll never be debt free. Mm-hmm. And so, dude, that whole shift in my energy of focused on creating wealth. So we got focused on the first 10 grand, obviously maintaining our debt. Yeah. But we wanted to save enough money so that we would never have to grab debt again. Mm-hmm. And then once we got to about 50,000, then we had the savings habit going and then we were like, okay, we could save, you know, 25, 30% of our income. Cause my, my job was to raise our income up. 
and then once we got there, then we started hammering on the debt. And anyway, my wife was masterful on that. And um, I don't know if that made sense or not. So it was kind of maintaining the debt, but we had to get the savings in place. And for me, focusing on creating wealth was a total, total, total game changer for me. That's a that's a huge uh, uh, revelation there and, and a big shift from everything that I've you know, heard kind of growing up too. You talk about those financial paradigms that we have. I'd always known, I'd always heard that, you know, yeah, get rid of debt, you know, take care of that first. But that makes so much sense. Um, literally, I mean, if you're a punster, I mean, yeah, it makes sense. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I, I, it's really shifting your mindset more towards creating wealth. And now you're actually building a, a, a nest egg instead of focusing solely on debt and ending up saving nothing but say 10 grand. And uh, so, so that worked out for you. And over time you were able to do both and take care of your debt and build this nest egg of a hundred thousand yeah. dollars that you wanted. Wow. How long did it take you to get to that, uh, that goal? Um, I think oh, that's a good question. I'd have to remember. Uh, I mean, we got, we got really focused like mid 2008. That's when I hired my coach Mm-hmm. and we bought um yeah we did because we we bought our home best home we've ever had we bought it uh february 2010 we got we got after it nice for sure nice. and then and then we had we had the savings after we put the down payment down yeah okay so, nice yeah yeah nice. so we we uh very motivating that's awesome yeah and and, um, yeah, that, that's a powerful story too, and how you shifted that and what you've done. And, and, and it, it, so there, there's an element of like, you know, you had this one moment where you're in the kitchen, you have a purse thrown at you, you're, <laughs> that's completely, you're feeling completely hopeless, but I just want to pause there and just share with anybody that might be feeling that now that even in the midst of that hopelessness, there is hope and there is a way out if you can strategize around that. And in this case, it was about finding the right mentors, finding out what they're doing, getting the coaching that was needed and, um, and, and start focusing on the right changes, uh, change, you know, focus on what you need. And that leads you down a path of, of, you know, not just success in, in your own life, but probably it, it helped contribute to your business as well and, and helped your business thrive at that point. Am I right on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we we had to, you know, and, and I think uh, I think a big component, Adam. I mean, the the problem my book solves is stuck, right? And I right. think one of the ways we get stuck, and and we're coming out of you know crazy three years of stuckness. Yeah, and and it was you know horrific, and I'm not making light of pandemic and all that, but but what keeps us stuck is what is happening should not be happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I went through that, you know, with, with the, the pandemic too. I mean, there was, you know, three or four days where I'm like, holy crap. And I'm in financial services and, you know, we have, we have a lot of clients and they're kind of, their money's down. And, but, but I, I've been through it in 2008. I've been through it. And I'm like, okay, dude, like my coach said, you need to accept it. You need to accept the situation. And he reframed it. He's like, you don't need to love it but you need to stop hating it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, once I accepted that, Hey, these are scary times. Crap is happening. I can't control it. 
I need to accept it. And then I need to say, what do I want? And what's the next thing I need to do? Well, then we shifted our whole business virtually and had a record 2020 and 2021 and 2022 and have a much better lifestyle. All that stuff came from that. And, and so what was going on with me was, well, I, I'm smarter than this. I shouldn't be here. My wife is like, we shouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. How'd we get here? Why are you such a dumbass? You know, I mean, just, and, and the analogy I give in the book is it's, it's like having a flat tire. I mean, every time we get a flat tire, we're like, why did that happen to me? Yeah. Who didn't fix the pothole? What? And the flat tire's sitting there going, how long is Chris going to go through the mental gymnastics until he finally accepts that there's a flat tire? Mm-hmm. What's the next thing? What do you want? I want to be on the road. What's the next thing you need to do? Grab the jack. And so that was powerful the next day when Marla and I got together and she's like, we're staying together. We're going to figure this out. And then she laid out the bloody balance sheet. She laid out and instead of beating myself up and looking at it and going, well, this is my ex-wife's fault. This is the recession's fault. I just said, got it. Got it. Mm-hmm. I accepted it. I accepted the flat tire. And then I looked her in the eye and I said, we will never be back here again. I love that. Yeah, there, there's. There, there's so much power in bringing yourself back to the present like that. And and what I love about that is a lot of times when, when you're sitting in, you know, I've been there too, where you're sitting in debt and you're looking at this person that you want to be and that you're not there and you're feeling like a, like a scumbag and you're feeling so much shame and all of this stuff. You're living in that gap. I mean that like, you know, you want to be here, you're not there, but this, but the second, and, and this is where a rock bottom can be powerful. A lot of times a rock bottom can like, you know, lead you to the most despairing outcomes if your ego gets in the way. But if if that rock bottom leads you to humility and saying, all right, let's get this focused on, you're focusing on that next step. And fear is not living in that next step. Fear is just taking that next step. And and that's where courage is. And that's so the fact that you took that step is is powerful. And and I love your book. Um, and your book is amazing. And I haven't quite finished it yet, but I I Part of the reason it's so good is that not just because it shares your story and, and your experiences, but also because of the way it's laid out. I, I I like it because it seems like it's a bit of a meditation. I mean, it, you give your your five pillars, you know, which are um, you know, which are powerful ways not just to shift your financial mindset, but your total mindset and your your total lifestyle. And and you focus on one small subject at a time on that, and in, in such a way that you're you're really putting down a quote the resources that you can give, and then action steps and a personal anecdote. So it's like almost like every day you can go through one of these and, and really finish the book in 50 days and have a, have a plan to change your life. How did you kind of come to that structure? And, um, and, and what was the, what was the, I guess the impetus to writing the book? Yeah. I mean, I, um, so I, I turned 15 August of 2021 and, uh, Adam, I realized at that point for the first time in my life, I'm not getting out of this thing alive. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Seriously, it was like the first time where I was like, dude, yeah. you're going to die. Yeah. Yeah. And like, what do you want, man? And, and after, you know, being depressed for a couple of days on it, I just said, man, I want to make a big impact. I want to help tens of millions of people. And that's, that's just where I am. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that, that, that's, that's, I want to leave a big legacy and, and those things. And then, um, and then I actually had a, a friend in my company, a, a counterpart, 
same age. And he went from healthy to having a stroke to dead in seven days. Oh, wow. And it, it was like November that year. And yeah. it totally, it threw me for a loop. Yeah. And it kind of woke me up. And then um, my, my mentor for the book, he wrote the foreword, uh, Steve Siebold. I don't know if you know who Steve is, but uh, <laughs> Steve's a, a legend in the personal development space. And he sold millions and millions of books. And uh, he's made 50 million plus in speaking. And I mean, he's he's a legend. And he's a friend of mine. He called me in November and he's like, dude, I've heard you speak for years. You need to write a book. <laughs> and your content, my coaching and here's how you're going to write the book if you want it to be impactful. Because that's kind of his format that he's written all his books. He's like, but what's going to be different, and I wish I would have done it, is you're going to write your personal stories <laughs> behind it. So I started writing the personal stories, and Steve's like, dude, are you sure you want to share all this? Like, dude, like you keep throwing yourself under the bus. Like what? I'm like, I don't know any other way to teach, bro. Yeah. Then to tell people what a freaking mess I was and then what I did to, to get unstuck. And so we spent nine months writing the first draft. Um, he spent 25 hours on the fourth draft, mm. just making sure that there was no fluff, that it flowed, that there was no word out of place. And, um, and now, so I, so I wrote the book, man, cause, uh, people get stuck and yeah. it's okay to get stuck, but it's not okay to stay there. And, uh, my prayer is that, uh, you know, me investing tens of thousands of dollars in personal growth and development in thousands of hours. Uh, people can invest a micro fraction of the cost, hopefully spend less time and get greater results than me and do in a shorter period of time. And hopefully it makes a big impact for people. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a lot of there's there's a ton of power in, in sharing your personal story and the, you know, really that the. the the ugliness of, of everything that happens, because that's really where the story is. That's where the, that's where the lessons are. I mean, it's, it's not, I mean, there's so many personal development books out there that says, oh yeah, you want to start a nine figure business, do this, do that, do that. I think we all know the, the mechanics around that, but it's all of this other stuff that gets in the way, the challenges that hit us, the things that hit us from the outside. And that's a lot of what your book addresses, which I love is the fact that you know, we're, we're going to need to take care of this, you know, this person here first and how we, how we, how we show up. Um, and so you do focus on getting us out of stuck. And a lot of times what keeps us stuck is, is, as you said at the beginning, that person that's right here between, um, and why do we stay there? Why do we choose to stay there? Um, I, I think that, uh, that's, that's a great question. Um, you know, our, our ego's in control most of the time mm -hmm. if if you're not doing the work and you're not, you know, I mean, my first pillar is, you know, get out of your own way. And yeah. and so we just have these unconscious patterns and the ego's no, number one goal for us is to keep us right where we are. Yeah. Oh, wow. And to keep, and to keep us stuck. And it, it it's it's in the masses, Adam, have an addiction to comfort. Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't serve as well. And everybody knows about your ideal lives outside of your comfort zone and all that. Um, and so we just stay stuck because we kind of have that moment of discomfort. And then we have a moment of decision. And the moment of decision is we're either going to be bold and do something different or we're going to choose comfort. Mm -hmm. And we hesitate. 
and our days and our years and our weeks are just a big pile of hesitations. And our ego wants us to think that that little step is going to be really painful, but it's not. It's, you know, once, once you get to that moment of discomfort, moment of decision, and you're like, okay, I'm going to be bold and I'm going to do the uncomfortable thing. And then a body in motion stays in motion <laughs> and you can create momentum. But people just stay stuck because victim is powerless. This shouldn't be happening. Sorry, it is. Accept it. They're not really clear, Adam, on what they want. That's yeah. a whole other podcast you and I can do um, <laughs> on, on the power of clarity. Yeah. Um, and they just they get stuck in that next step or they try to map it out. Or I mean, I don't have my, my whole pillar on how to get out of your own way, you know, like just the worry patterns and the judgment and just all these things that we have. It's, it's, it's what keeps us stuck. Yeah. And that, yeah, that I found that to be true too. I mean, I spent a lot of time stuck in my own life um, and, and still do in many respects that that doesn't go away. I mean, there's just, there's areas we just kind of, we need to keep doing that. But what, but I found that when you lean just a little bit into that discomfort, that that's where living really begins. I mean, just, and it, and it doesn't even, it doesn't require David Goggins-esque, you know, levels of going out, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just 5%. Stay hard, man. It's going to be hard and you'll never be happy and you just stay hard. Right, and right. Anyway, that's, that's my chapter in the book is work hard, but don't make hard work of it. Right. But anyway, there you that, go. that's, yeah. dude, that's funny. I love well, you, Goggins, but it's funny. That's yeah, you, you know, you and I see it eye to eye on that because uh, yeah. I, I I love Goggins too. His story's amazing, but oh, not everybody same. can go from zero no. to Navy Seal. I mean, some <laughs> of us just some of us. I mean, if if we want that stability, or like you know, we, we, but we can get there five percent at a time. You know, just small steps at a time. It's so important if you if we have this fear or we have this discomfort with getting uncomfortable that we just make it simple for ourselves to take the small step and be present on looking at what's that, that next step in front of us. So yeah, that, that's hugely powerful. And I, 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 um, I can definitely resonate with your, that moment that you had where you were, where you decided to kind of, that you, that you wanted to share this message with millions of people, because, you know, you said you turned 50 and you had that kind of moment where it was just like, and, and that's the thing about, <laughs> I don't want to say because you're never you're not getting old and you have a chapter on this and I want to I want to this is kind of what I'm getting to but sure. there was a moment in my life where it, it, you know where I was like wondering well what point in your life do you start to feel old and what I realized because I turned 43 last year was when I was 42 and 364 days I felt like I was the always felt like I was the youngest person in the room when I turned 43 I immediately it's like a flip switch a switch flipped. And I felt like I was old and it just, it just happened. And it was like this, this shift. And I know I'm not old. I mean, I know that that's just a number and I know that we can, we can stay resilient and that's what I'm trying to do, but, but it still didn't change that psychic shift that happened that, so I wanted to touch on that because you have that, you know, you had a chapter in there where you're talking about you're too young to be old. So what, what, um, what can you kind of uh, expand on that a bit? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of like when I turned 50 in, in 2021, I was yeah. starting to buy into the society view of, you know, you're over the hill. And, 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 and once again, like I've done so much work on myself and, and, you know, I, dude, I, like you said, I can get stuck as good as anybody. Yeah. 
but I recognize when I am. And so once again, I'm feeling bad about turning 50 and I'm allowing the outside world to dictate how I feel. So I was, I mean, I was in the middle of writing this book almost, right? And I'm, right. I'm doing the victim thing. And, and then I caught it. And then I had this total angel in my business. She helped me get the book published and uploaded and all the garbage, you know, that goes on with that. And she sent me this, this study from the New England Journal uh, of Medicine. And, and it basically says, hey, um, God's not done with you. And your prime time in your life is between 60 to 70. That, that's, that's your prime time. Mm-hmm. That's your most productive. 70 to 80 is the next time. Uh, 50 to 60 is the next time. And there's lots of reasons for that. You, you know who you are. You're comfortable in your own skin. I mean, you don't have distractions of raising a family. I mean, I mean, like, and you're as good as you're ever going to be. And so I started reading that, Adam, and I, I felt energized. And then I started sharing it with my clients. And I could see, I mean, like, dude, all of, all of a sudden their head would come up and their, their shoulders would come back. And, and then um, one of my really good friends that I went to college with, he's 55. <laughs> he doesn't look 55. He looks like you. You know, he's in good shape. He's healthy. And he's been this very successful businessman. And we're talking and he's like, well, Chris, I don't know. You know, I don't know how much time I got left. And I, I mean, I, I'm like, going, dude, you, you're, I'm like, shut the hell up. Like, just, just, I'm going to send this, I'm going to send this over to you. And he read it. And then he was just, he was like, oh my God, man. I'm like, so I've never seen something shift people. And then the story in the book, I got to share the story. It's unbelievable. And so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm the, the keynote closeout for about a thousand financial advisors. We're in Dallas. It's 2021 and, uh, or February, 2022. And, and the night before I, I, I came up on stage, and I was on this panel and sometimes, and they didn't give me anything to talk about. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sitting, I'm like, God, what do you want me to talk about? God, what do you want me to talk about? God, what do you want me to like meditating on it? And then I'm like, dude, share the study. And 75% of the room, Adam, was over 50. Yeah. And I go to the crowd. I'm like, hey, how many of you are over 50? <laughs> and I hear like two people go, woo, right? And I'm right. like, oh, my God, dude, they're all ashamed. Yeah. I read the study. Crowd goes nuts. We have a reception afterwards. Probably two, 300 people came up to me. Send me that, send me that, send me that, send me that. Then the next day... Sharon Lecter, if you know who Sharon Lecter yeah. is, right? Rich dad author, mm-hmm. total rock star. She's she might be in her late seventies. She's the keynote for that day. She, we've never met. She wasn't there the night I talked about it. She brings up a PowerPoint, the exact same study. Wow, <laughs> the exact same thing. <laughs> and then she goes, "Hey everybody, how many of you are over 50? And the whole room stands up. And goes nuts. And she's like, I've never gotten that reaction. <laughs> and I'm just sitting here. I mean, I was just blown away, dude. I was yeah. blown away. So you are too young to be old. Yeah, that's for <laughs> Don't sure. Don't buy into the crap. It's yeah. total garbage. And then if not, then follow Gary Player on Instagram. Gary Player. Okay. <laughs> Gary Player is like 87, the golfer, dude. He's He, he plays golf every day, runs five miles a day. He's... Love it's all it. mindset. 
Love 100% it. Well, mental, as you know. Yeah, and and that's one of the things I'm 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 picking up from this interview here too is is don't listen to the common themes that come up in your life whether you're four years old and you hear and you continuously hear that money is bad, money is the root of all evil, and all these things, or whether you believe that. Uh, that, uh, you know, we're getting, you know, that, that we're too old at 43 or 50 or 70 or anything like that. Um, these are things we have to challenge. And when we challenge them, we push up against those same comfort zones. That's, that's hugely powerful. Um, and, and, and one of the pieces that I loved, um, you know, as far, as far as the message that resonated was that, um, we're a miracle and a mess at the same time. And I feel that like deep, <laughs> can you touch on that really quick? Yeah, yeah, I I, uh, I reference uh, a, a coach I've worked with, a real good friend of mine, uh, Jonathan Mansky, and and he just hits some of the best content. But that I, yeah. I stole that from him. And you know, uh, perfectionism is a form of self sabotage, and we did not come here to to get perfect. And mm-hmm. when we're beating ourselves up over our imperfections or our mistakes or whatever, that's another way, Adam, that we just stay stuck. And, and I'm very clear in the book and I'm very clear when I speak, like, Hey, I am not some guru. I have not figured out the key to life. I haven't arrived. Um, I'm a miracle and a mess, just like everybody else. I got (laughs) messy parts of me. I got flaws. Um, I got weaknesses. Um, but the, the more I just embrace and fully love, approve and accept myself, like the better my life works. So It's not that I don't need to get better because I'm, you know, like I said, I'm a miracle and a mess just like everybody else. Um, but what does make me different is just the commitment to getting better and the c- commitment to growing. Mm-hmm. And you're either growing or dying. Yeah. And so you got to be intentional about your growth or you'll choose comfort. And there's no definition of comfort in nature. Trees yeah. are either growing or dying. They're not looking for comfort. So just accept yourself work on yourself and enjoy the journey. Cause there's no happy ending to an unhappy journey. And uh, there you have it. That's a, that's a great message to kind of push a, put a bookend on this conversation. And I'd sure. love to have a second one where we do get into clarity and there's so much more to dig into. Um, but I wanted to ask you, cause you know, one of those cliches we hear, you know, when we're, when we're younger, when we're young is money does not buy happiness right so how does that phrase hit hit you now what 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 is that how, how do you interpret that phase now well i mean oxygen doesn't buy you happiness either it's <laughs> a good point right but you got i mean you got to have it yeah i mean yeah. You, you just got to have it and you know i'm 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 a christian and whatever your your beliefs are like you know keep keep first things first <laughs> and it, it's not an either or and so, you know, I, I, I've, I've had money and I've been broke and money's better and money's neutral. And what you bring to the party is what you bring to the party. Mm-hmm. And so it, 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 it will not buy you happiness, but oxygen won't buy you happiness, but it's just, it's necessary. Yeah. And, and, you know, part of my, you know, and like I said, I think, I think people are afraid of becoming wealthy because they're afraid they're going to turn into somebody they don't want to be. Mm-hmm. And that's a total limiting belief and a lie, but money makes a good person better and a bad person worse. Yeah. And as I've worked on myself and made myself better, um, it's just, it's made 
be better. And it's blessed people. Um, but I'm not attached to any of it. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I know I know it won't make me happy, but it is a tool for me to advance my mission. Yeah. And that's that's where I feel like you're walking the walk here and 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 why I love the book that you're that you've written and that that's out now. Um, because it, 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 it tells it from a perspective of, Hey, you know, it's, it's not, Hey, how, here's how you make a bunch of money. It's, Hey, here's how you change your life and get perspective and gain fulfillment and, and shift things into the clarity on where you want to be. I love that because that's going to lead to more fulfillment, whether your number is a million dollars, $10 million or a hundred thousand dollars. And, uh, and that's powerful. And I love that you've written this book, Think and Grow You. Where can people find that? Amazon? Uh, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Am, am, Amazon. And then uh, my website's uh, chrisfelton.me. And um, and the link will take them to Amazon and they can get their order and then come back to my site and get the bonuses. And there's some there's some pretty cool bonuses in there. Great interview with uh, uh, Steve Holbrook, who's kind of a, uh, a Canadian business legend uh, that I handpicked to... Uh, to interview me and uh, get his feedback on the book, but yeah, there's there's some cool cool stuff there. Yeah, awesome, excellent. So yeah, go to go to chrisfelton.me me uh, to uh, uh, to download that and to get to the or to to order from Amazon and get those awesome uh, bonuses. And uh, is there an audiobook or anything coming out? Yeah, yeah, Audible is uh, a, a a May June uh, nice. project. So I got a my my launch is March 25th. So I'm. I'm focus a hundred percent there. But, uh, after that, I got a, a workshop that I'm planning locally and then I'm going to get uh, audible. Excellent. Out, Cause I've been, a lot of people have been requesting it. So I'm going to get it done. That's great. Well, this should, yeah, this should be airing sometime in uh, late April or May. So we, sure. so that'll be right alongside when the book's already out. So buy it, buy it now. And when the audiobook comes out, get it, get it then as well. Um, and, I don't know if you've read the audiobook yet, Chris, but uh, I'll I'll tell you I just I read mine last year, and it's an incredible experience over the course of two years to read the work just like through, especially when you're telling some of your life mm. story. It's a yeah. powerful reflection. It's powerful. Yeah. So if you haven't already, I, I I just prep you for that. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. I have not done that. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for for joining me. Where where can, where else can people find you? You got your website, chrisfelton.me. Any anywhere else? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm on uh, Instagram, uh, cf underscore ete, and then uh, I'm on LinkedIn, and Facebook, and pr- pretty active on social media. But uh, yeah, my website, they can contact me directly. So excellent. Well, thank thank you so much, and please, please, if you're out there, b- pick up. Pick up uh, Chris's book, Think and Grow You, and uh, and 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 spend the next fifty days changing your life. And uh, Chris, this was an amazing conversation, and congratulations on all your success and the amazing transformation. Um, and uh, and I look forward to chatting with you soon. Yeah, Adam, you're a world class guy and host, and I really appreciate you stepping up and having me on your show. So my, thanks so much. It's my honor, and uh, to everyone else out there, thank you so much for being here, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Flow Over Fear podcast. If you're enjoying this show, please do me a favor and hit the subscribe button. I will be so grateful if you do, and I'll look forward to bringing you more value in our next episode. I'll see you then.